Champion bachelors Craig and Greg present a myriad of topics centering on relationships and addictions in the positive lights of experience, strength, and hope. Both have struggled with the strongholds of addiction and with relationships that went awry, and both have emerged on the other side, stronger, wiser, and better prepared to become what they once set out to be. You're listening to The Solution. Welcome to The Solution. Hey, I'm your host, Craig Dolan. I'm with my co-hosts tonight. It's going to be three of us talking tonight. Got Greg Carter over there. Hey. We got Josh Goading. How you doing there? Yeah. Hey, guys. How's it going? It's going. We're going to have a good time tonight. Guess what we're going to be talking about? Well, you already know, right? I mean, we've been planning, planning. We're going to talk, we're going to go to the heart, the very, very heart of narcissism. Because I think we want you, listener, we want you to be educated on this because it's a very, very important thing. You know, to know the ins and outs of narcissism because you never know when you might encounter it. And you're going to be glad that you have that knowledge to go forth with it, so... We're going to start off with love bombing, guys, because the reason we're going to start off with love bombing is because it's the very first thing that happens. Because when you meet that person that you want to date, and there's a narcissist involved, there's going to be love bombing. Now, let me tell you real quick about love bombing. It can happen in normal relationships, too. But it is definitely a hardcore staple of a relationship with a narcissist. And I'm going to read a little bit of definition before we get going here. Love bombing is an attempt to influence a person by demonstrations of attention and affection. It can be used in different ways for either positive or negative purposes. Psychologists have identified love bombing as a possible part of a cycle of abuse and have warned against it. It has also been described as psychological manipulation. There's love bombing, you know, so... Have you guys ever been involved to a point? I know, Josh, you had been involved a little bit with that. Uh, talk a little bit on love bombing. Definitely have experienced love bombing from within a relationship or you know, within a new, meet, meeting a new person. And it usually has, it has taken the form of them, um, you know, saying all the things that, you, that they think you want to hear, um, kind of acting like all of your, your uh, interests are their interests. Um, claiming to have a lot of things in common with you that, that you don't, but then also, uh, you know, saying that they love you really quickly. So falling mm-hmm. in love with you right away and, um, you know, coming on strong, like with physical, um, with sex, basically seducing you and then, um, getting that, getting that right out there in, in such a way that it's like, it's really difficult to forget, you know, or, or to, to separate in your mind. The fact that this is just a, a new person, you don't know anything about them, but they're yeah. telling you they love you, and, the, and they're... How they, soon do they tell you that you, uh, she loved you? It, it, it could be, with the one person I knew, it was, it was um, like the first, the morning after we slept together, so that was like within a week of us meeting. Okay. And I was just thinking, I love you too. No, yeah, yeah, <laughs> when, you, when you say that, when you say that, my experience was basically three out of four of your things that you were saying, you know, as far as the I love you, that came really quick, probably within a, maybe two weeks. When it's the normal is, you know, it's like months to tell somebody they love them. 
And um, one other thing you said. One thing she did was she, she wrote this poem, this love poem to me. And um, in reading it, I was like, well, that's really nice. Oh, and then I'm thinking, boy, this seems like a Hallmark card or like a. Yeah. This seems like there's no way she wrote this. And she never did anything remotely like that again. And she didn't have any interest in poetry or anything, mm. it turned out. So I even asked her, did you write this? You know, just trying good naturedly needle out that yep. she might have. She, oh, yes. Yep. Yep. Totally all me. And, and like I don't think she did. It was like an attempt to impress. Well, I think one thing, too, that we need to note, that's important to note, during the love bombing stage, that's the stage where the narcissist, they are taking notes. They're filling up their notebook with all little bits of information about, about their person they're wanting to abuse. Because that's their, that's their data gathering session. We think it's, it's a, just a, having a great time. Like, we're getting along super. Like, this is the one for me. But actually, they're they're clue, they're cluing in on your notes where they can uh, in the devaluation stage, which is the next stage, they can use against you. Isn't that crazy? You know, that's love bombing, and we can always come back to that. But let's let's go to uh, the next stage. It would be called the devaluation stage. Okay, stage two. And what happens there is the um, well, basically, you go from love bombing to devaluation, but then the trauma bond is starting to form too. Because when you go from things are just fantastic to the second stage where things just go like totally upside down, where the person being abused is going, what in the heck is happening here? Oh, I know. That person loved me <laughs> not too long ago, and now they're just like treating them like a second class whatever citizen. Treating them terrible. It's a real stinger. That person getting abused. It could be with a romantic partner, parent, or friend. Mm -hmm. And it alternates between you being treated abusively and then showering you with love and kindness. You know, and what ends up happening is that it's a powerful bond. And that powerful bond's hard to escape. All that negativity, but yet at the same time showering you with all that attention. Mm -hmm. It's like you're you're stuck. You're under a spell. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and let me add real quickly that that, that second state, that's all about power. That's yeah. all about control. Exactly. Yes. It's all about control. You know, they're doing all their they're getting and when they're digging up that data, when you're telling them everything about yourself. Because you're all opening up, right? That first right, stage, yes. all love bombing. You're all lay, laying on the couch, uh, cuddle up on the couch, watching Netflix or whatever. And you see, you know, you see, you're like giving everything because <laughs> you feel so comfortable with this person, right? When that person, in back of their mind or whatever, they're they're thinking, yeah, well, I'm going to have a fun time knocking you down a few pegs. Yeah. It's all about control. <laughs> it's all about control. And... um and that, so you're going from a, a lot about a lot of love to a lot of dismissiveness, a lot of dismissiveness. That was in my situation anyway. I don't know, Josh. How how did it work for you going to that second stage? Sometimes that's called the devaluing stage, yes. like in a narcissistic cycle. Let's say. Yep. So after they're super nice and super ingratiating and. Um, you know, suck up to you and, and let you drop all your defenses 
as you said, they're they're gathering information that they can use against you. It's it's a really, the weirdest thing to have them shift from from all that affection and and friendliness to to undermining you and and you know criticizing you and attacking you on some of the deepest levels that you can't believe someone's actually saying these things to you. I remember one of the things was that I had, I had told my I guess girlfriend, my narcissistic girlfriend at the time um, that I'd been married a couple of times. And so I didn't tell her really anything about it. So later I hear that coming back to me is like, well, I can see why such and so left you, you know? So that's why these girls, you know, divorced you. And I'm just thinking, well, this is, this hurts, but it's also laughable because I didn't give you any reasons why. And you're just sort of using that as an attack without, I think she played her hand too, too early um, in this case. But so also she was saying, you're immature and, um, you know, you, you play with Lego, and, and I was saying, isn't that the attraction? <laughs> my, my immaturity, and, and also yeah. the Lego, I yeah. don't have time to play with Lego, but I am selling Lego, or trying to, and so maybe that's what you see happening here. Um, and so everything she would try, um, she, she said I was ungenerous, and I was saying, I've given you, you know, money and, and tried to help you, and you haven't given me a single penny, not even even give me a gift like from a gumball machine. And she said, "No, oh, you're right about me." Ah. So, right, right. Um, but everything she tried, but um, I had a counter for. But the thing was, it still starts to break you down and gets under your skin, and then you're thinking, "I know the nice, the nice version of this person is under there, and, and that must be the real version." You know, right? So. Yeah, it leaves you just scratching your head, don't it? And, you know, right there, the trauma bond or the, well, we'll be talking about cognitive dissonance in a bit, but that's that's starting to form. All that stuff is starting to form. And when you say, too, they're looking for supply. Yeah. They're looking for supply and they don't care if they get supply of you being mad or not, because they'll, <laughs> they'll say things, they'll say things that are just so off the wall, but they're after supply. And so they'll say things just to, for a better word, just to piss you off. And they love to see, they don't care if you give them supply through a nice gesture, nice kind way, hey, you look beautiful. Or if you give them supply through, you know, a hardcore look and hardcore whatever uh, of uh, being upset. They just want supply. So, yeah. Well, Greg, were you? Yeah. Yeah. The effects of trauma bonding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I studied this a little bit. It was like some of the effects of trauma bonding. People tend to remain in abusive relationships or unknowingly seek them out and go on to the next relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, same thing. Next relationship. Um, having adverse mental health outcomes like low self-esteem, negative self-image and increased likelihood of depression and bipolar disorder. You know, mm-hmm. and then, of course, perpetuating the cycle of abuse and then trying to please the person that is hurting you to lessen the chances of escalating the situation. Fawning. Yeah. Fawning. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So even when you're right, you'll just to pacify the narcissist. It's OK. It's OK, honey. It's OK. You know, and then you'll. You'll do anything at that point, including not being true yeah. to yourself to keep the peace. And we need to point out we would we would be failing the listener if we didn't point this out that narcissist and um, empaths. Yes. They are magnets. Narcissists are very, 
they're attracted to empaths subconsciously or not. That's a lot of that happens. Yes, yes it is. Um, <laughs> I'm an empath. I'll say it right now. And I've been, <laughs> I've been involved in some of those relationships, but yeah, they, they do, they do go for that because empaths are very much, they're very, I apologize or, or I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. You know what I mean? Yes. So, and they feel they have a idea in their mind that they can control an empath. They really do. Yeah. The way they gravitate. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Their mind, they can, they can control one. And our goal is to make more people know about this so they can't control empaths. Right. Because they, you know, they're, they're, they're vampires. They will suck the life out of you. stayed with us this far and that shows commitment proving you possess the trait required to obtain the solution now let's rejoin the show already in progress when they're telling you they love you boom dopamine and serotonin the feel-good hormones and then when they treat you like a piece of dung those things aren't dropping down and you're you're just you're just feeling like less than you know like you know you know how the feeling of Somebody who you really care about dumps you or something. Yeah. And you might have uh, cortisol that's released. The cortisol is with the stress. The yeah. cortisol will be released, yeah, when you can... Because it's a stressful... That whole relationship's a stressful yeah. thing. The cortisol. You're right, Josh. Very good. Cortisol, for men, it knocks out our testosterone. That's not good. No. But yeah, cortisol's in us to uh, protect us from stress. And so then you have dopamine and serotonin, but you also have that um, oxytocin that's a bonding a bonding chemical. So yep, that, that's for the sex. Yeah. So after you get the dopamine from sex and also just time spent together, you have the sense of um, of pairing and um, you know becoming close yeah. to that person. You're in and out of the drugstore constantly in that relationship, whether you know it or not. Yeah. You know, you're getting fed drugs and you're getting hooked. They're getting you hooked on them. And then they're releasing you. They're pulling. It's a push-pull. They're pushing you away. They're pulling you back in. They're pushing you away. They're pulling you back in. It's like they're dump. Yeah. They're dunking you in a pool. Make, catch, and release. I've heard that said before. Yep. Make, make, or, catch, Or just like in a, the swimming pool, they're dunking you underneath. Yeah. You're dying. They'll pull you up for a little bit. It's very, very, it's a very abusive, abusive thing. You become addicted to the ups and downs. And, and I think your brain starts to become trained to the idea that the that for there to be pleasure, that there has to be pain first. Or, and mm-hmm. so, or, or, or pain follows pleasure, follows pain, and that cycle becomes addictive. And you start to identify with your, it's almost like the, um, the Stockholm Syndrome, or, or it is kind of a version of that, where they say sometimes um, someone who's kidnapped or um, abducted become starts to identify with their kidnapper. And mm-hmm. even maybe if, if it's a political um, hostage, let's say they would, would join the group. <laughs> Mm-hmm. As in the case of, of Patty Hearst. And, uh, yes. And so it's it's like a version of that to where you start to defend your, your abuser and you start to think um, mm-hmm. to be on their side and, and to become codependent for their yeah. emotions. So. Yeah. So here, cognitive dissonance is when a person has one or more conflicting beliefs or behaviors that lead them to strive to alter one of the beliefs or behaviors in order 
to reduce the discomfort they're feeling. So they're actually trying to, because they have a feeling of the, you know, the empath has the feeling of, man, she was great to me at one point, or he was great to me at one point. Now it just seems like they're, they treated me bad. Which is it? Which are they? Is it, is it something I'm doing? Yeah. They're sitting there <laughs> thinking, you know? I know. Because I know. Here, here's the deal. In a relationship with an empath or a narcissist empath, the average is seven times they will break up. That is crazy. It's quite a bit. That's a lot back and forth. That's a lot of back and forth. Because that, you know, the narcissist, the narc's in there, they're going to stay in there. They're going to ride that pony out all the way they can for the supply. And the other person is thinking, man, I got to get away from this person. I just need to get away from this person. But they're having a hard time doing it because the narc will stay in there for supply. And the other person is, they're just, they're have cognitive dissonance. They're like, oh man, we had such a great time. It was so loving. I know that person is in there. Yeah. How do I just get that person back? Right. And so it's a real, it's a real mind, it's a real mind screw. It is. It's a real, you know, it really messes with your mind. And it's it's called cognitive dissonance. And so to really get that straightened out, to go one way or the other, the only way to do it is get a lot of knowledge about what they're dealing with. It comes down to the difference between what they say and what they are doing. And sometimes the evidence of their betrayal is, is so obvious, it's so in your face, but they're saying something else. They're saying... You're just looking at it that way, or you're being too too negative, or you're overthinking it, or um, you know, of course I care for you, and um, you really want to believe the person because, well, for one, an empath is always looking for, I think, for re- how it might be their fault, you know, or, or they're trying to put themselves in the other person's shoes so much that it becomes absurd, you know. Yeah, for me, it's when the preponderance of evidence is that the person is doesn't care about you. It's obvious. If they did, you wouldn't be wondering if they did or not. Right. Um, and that's that's kind of the, the thing I finally had to come to is like, if this person loved me, that would be self-evident. There'd be nothing keeping them from me. Um, instead of what they were doing, which was disappearing for days at a time and then showing up as if nothing had happened. Um, you know, say, saying one thing, but then but then in reality, what they were doing was the complete opposite and so, but it, it's a very, um, it's a very confusing and painful kind of thing to go through. Yeah. A person needs to really stay in contact with who they are, and they need to stay in heavy contact with what is a healthy relationship. You know, because they can sit and think what's bad, what's bad, what's bad. But it's, a, I think it's important to give yourself that occasional dose of what is a healthy relationship, and that'll let you know that you're not in one. Don't you agree? I mean, knowledge is everything, right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, this this show really, um, because the timing of of that had a lot to do with the timing of starting the podcast and some of the things we were learning about the the cycle of narcissism and starting to, I I didn't even know, I I mean, I'd heard heard of a narcissist, but I didn't think that that was something that was going to be in my own, um, in my own bed, let alone um, being so prevalent at this point, it seems like there's an epidemic of, of antisocial behavior um, sweeping across, I don't know if it's the world or just the United States or, or what, but um, it seems like a lot of people are experiencing this. But um, when I started looking up um, 
basically on, on the internet and, and looking into YouTube videos about narcissists and the cycle that they use. And a lot of them, it seems like they all use the same playbook. Yeah. Um, despite their, um, you know, culture or, or the country of, of origin, they, they all sort of do this love bombing, devaluing, discard, and then the hoovering and then starting over again. Um, and, and to learn those things, it's rocked my world. And I, I did an inventory of my whole life, really, and thought about all the antisocial narcissist types that I had been involved with and invited into my, into my life. So, right. Um, but having that knowledge was, was the beginning of turning it around. So I hope. You know, one thing, a really good, uh, a really good clue. What's a narcissist. They never take blame for anything. They just do not take blame for anything. And their, their, their plan is to probably do the eventual discard. One way to beat them to the punch. If you know what's going on and you see it, you're being devaluated dump them and um if they react really really <laughs> adversely to that it's a, it's just a big attack on them it's an, ab- an abandonment ship because when they were little they probably you know there was some type of lo- la- uh, lack of love abandonment issues and if they're doing those things to you and you can catch them at the punch you just break off of them and just leave and go no contact and they will be going nuts. Look, I mean, they'll come, <laughs> they'll come looking for you, knock your door down. But I can remember this happening. It was um, this particular trauma, Bonnie, was to, you know, be the same thing like the narcissist showing the feeding off of me, and then you know, up and down, up and down. And then part of this trauma bonding, I think, too, was that she knew I really liked her, but she would just, you know, just give me enough you know, lead way to make me think that I have a chance. Yeah. You know, that type of deal. Mm-hmm. So I'd find myself chasing her. So, you know, hey, hey, what are you doing? Let's get together, do something like that. She threw you some breadcrumbs. Yeah, she threw some breadcrumbs. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what was she getting out of it? Nice meals, things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, you know. Fur coats. No, not fur coats. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not that much. I hope I'm not that bad, you know. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> but I do remember that, though, and just giving in helping her out yep. you know and you know i'll be there for you I, I know you're the man for me blah 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 it's just a matter of time and blah. you know i hear oh. that promises a lot and everything yeah. it's like you know what i must be foolish you know and then i know i'm seeing these other guys and everything but it'll just be a matter of time you know before i'm done with it i'm just going through a phase right now so so i'm supposed to put my life on hold yeah right i'm yeah. supposed to put my life on hold yeah, yeah. it's 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 Right. And a lot of I loves you. I love yeah. you. As long as I was near her, guess what? Like you said, she's being fed. Yeah. She was being fed. What's a, the best way for her to quit? <clears throat> as long as I'm feeding her, she's going to keep coming around. Yeah. And she was actually going around four or five other guys that were, you know, she was able to feed off on, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, well, what do you do? Disappear, like it says. Yeah. Just be gone. Yeah. Be- Stay away. That way she can all get her feet off you. It's the best way because they can yes. lull you back in. And and when you're an empath, you are. they work off of guilt, too. Guilt and shame. That's their biggest weapons. And that's something. And it yeah. really works good on an empath. Makes you think, um, doesn't it? It really does. It, a show it, like it, this makes you really think. Yeah. yeah. It does. And it's just a matter of um, getting knowledge on it. And that's we tried right. to throw out some knowledge today to our listener. And we hope that we... Uh, imparted some of that to you we really do because we don't want to see you in that situation and if you are in that situation 
you go with your gun strapped on. Have your gun strapped on, okay? Well, we're going to end this show, okay, guys? Do we have any parting words? Any more things to say? No? Just say no to narcissists. Say no to narcissists? Yeah, Yeah, just just, say no. Just just say say no. (laughs) Just say no. And just, well, we'll say yes to us, we'll say yes to you. Just say no to them, all right. Hey, guys, for myself, Craig, Josh, and Greg, thanks a lot. Thank you. Have a good night. Listener, we love you. Good night. We're out. This concludes this episode of The Solution. Thanks for joining us, and be sure to check out our next episode. Send your questions and comments to Craig2042 at gmail.com. That's Craig with a C. Until next time, good luck and goodbye.